Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome to a Thursday edition of the Yanks Go Yard Podcast, the only podcast against you Bronx bombed on a weekday afternoon. I'm Adam Weinrib alongside Thomas Carinante, the no quit in New York towel from the New York Rangers playoff run that ended without a championship is behind me because apparently there's no quit in these New York Yankees. What? What happened? We we went a week between podcasts, and now we're doing an entirely different podcast that feels like it's from 2019. Look, the Yankees are not going to make the playoffs. But we're going to talk about the Yankees maybe making the playoffs for like the first 15 minutes of this show. The, the comment section is usually livelier when they've just gotten their doors blown off or blown the worst save you've ever seen. And believe me, Aaron Boone and Greg Weiser tried to do that yesterday, but they couldn't. And so now the Yankees are six and a half back of the wild card. And I don't think they're making the postseason, but I got a little handy rule that's coming handy this year. And it's called, if I'm still checking the Red Sox scores to see if they're moving closer to the playoffs and they're five games out, then I guess I have to check the Yankees as well, who are six games out in the loss column of a wild card spot with the Texas Rangers collapsing and the Toronto Blue Jays being met to bad. They're not very good. So I guess we have to talk about it. And since the last time we spoke, the Yankees have swept the Houston Astros in Houston. They haven't done that in any city since 2013 in the last series of a lost season where the Astros were a last place team. Andy Pettit threw a complete game in that series. Not doing a positive episode today would be a disservice to society at large. Jason Dominguez has been that legit. So we're obviously going to start with him and some positive chatter. There's the pessimism, and the pessimism is valid. And the people saying, oh, uh, one series against the Tigers, then one really good series in Houston, then another series against the Tigers. That's what you're going to talk to me about? Playoff push because of that? Your point is valid. And again, I I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. But... We have to have a little fun, don't we? And you can find us having fun live on YouTube Mondays and Thursdays, 2 o'clock Eastern, as well as on all podcast platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, the weird ones. 
something only you use. We're probably there. And Thomas Carinante joins me as always. Thomas Carinante, welcome into the room. Uh, you got a an offer from the folks at Bet365, today's sponsor. Yes, sir. What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining in here. Uh, we have a pretty good sports betting promo for uh, new Bet365 users. We're sure you heard this one before, but NFL season starts tonight. Stretch run and baseball's happening, and then you want to build your account for the playoffs? I don't know. All you got to do on Bet365 is sign up, deposit $10, place a $1 wager on any sport, and you will instantly receive $200 added to your account in bonus bets, whether you win or lose. All you got to do is use the code YGYBetting when you sign up. Again, that is YGYBetting. Not only will you receive the $200 in bonus bets by using that code, but you'll also be helping us out, directly supporting the podcast, allowing us to go over the airwaves to you twice a week. It's been a pleasure. It's been a blast. We want to keep it going. We hope you guys are having fun. So come on down. If you haven't signed up for Bet365, join with the code again, YGY betting, and place that first bet. This offer is available for new customers who are 21 and older and physically present in most legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly. Cannot trust that enough. Check the episode descriptions for full terms of the offer if you're interested. Ah, man. It's been a week. It's been a week, and we blew it because, of course, the one day we didn't podcast was probably the high note of this season. Um, yeah, probably the high note of the last year because the second half of the Yankee season last year sucked. The ALDS, yeah, they won it, but it felt like it was more of a headache than it was an actual victory. Um, and then they got bludgeoned, and then the off season was a little bit. It was it was a roller coaster ride. So yeah, I would say that was the best moment of Yankees baseball in probably a year. And uh, to do that on Sunday night baseball to yep. complete the sweep, Dominguez homering, Austin Wells uh, bludgeoning a double into the gap uh, to further pad the insurance at the end there. Um, that was really a good time. I haven't felt as good about this team um, since probably May of last year. I think that's probably when my interest peaked in this team. And then you started to see the holes in June and then July things started creeping up on you. And then August, it completely all fell down. Um so yeah, I uh, I'm I'm excited to talk about what's happened with this team over the last couple weeks. Um, I'm excited to talk about potentially Hal Steinbrenner's influence in it all. Um, I'm excited to talk about the outside chance of the playoffs because at the very least we know they're not making it. No. It's fine, but if we have something positive to talk about for the final three weeks and to give us a reason to be engaged, then that's a win. It's got to be a win. It's not a loser mentality. It's we're looking ahead to 2024. We want to feel good, and now we have a reason to. I mean, they almost made it in 2016 and didn't. It's, yeah. it's the obvious parallel. It doesn't take a lot of critical thinking to flash back to just before the Baby Bombers era when they called up Gary Sanchez. He hit 20 home runs in 52 games or whatever, almost stole the Rookie of the Year for two good months. And they went from, you know, surrendering at the deadline to ending up, I think they got as close as like two or three. They, they certainly made you pay attention in the second half. Uh, this team showed no, there was no possibility they were going to do this. They even called up Everson Pereira and Oswald Peraza at the end of August after getting swept by the Red Sox, and they immediately proceeded to lose two out of three to the Nationals, lose the next game after they called them up, yeah. barely hit, scratch across almost nothing. Tommy Canely gags the third one. We have an article coming this week, of course, when you want to feel depressed about all the games they let get away this year that are destined to be the difference between them making the playoffs and them not making the playoffs. But 2016 is the obvious parallel. It's the title of the episode. You can't escape it. You bring up the kids automatically. 
you're refueled, you're believing again, you're thinking about next season instead of trying really hard not to think about next season. But I do want to cite that Sunday night baseball game that we didn't cover. It felt like something I have not felt since game one of the 2019 ALCS. When ultimately they didn't have the firepower, they lose Giancarlo Stanton in that game. They lose Mike Talkman about a month before that game. They're down to the bare bones. They're going with Cameron Mabin. They're you know trying to get Stanton in and out. It's not working. Tanaka on short rest. They don't have the arms either. Domingo Herman gets suspended. There's a lot of things wrong with the end of 2019, and there's a reason it fell apart. And there's a reason that the LeMayhew homer is a footnote instead of an iconic moment in Yankees history. But game one of that Astros series on the road, Tanaka put the Astros to sleep. At no point in that game did you think it was up for grabs. The Yankees just had a small lead, then a larger one, then a really big one. I think they won it 7-1. Stanton homered, Glaber homered. Every piece of that game just felt written in stone. Like, oh my God, you know, going into that game, you're nervous because of 2017. But as soon as that game gets to like the fifth inning, you're like, yeah, these are the better team in this game. And all they have to do is be the better team a couple more times in the series. They're going to the World Series. Like, this is not luck anymore. They're, they're better than the Houston Astros. They're going on the road and they're proving it. And this is kind of what I felt on Sunday night. It was like, as soon as Dominguez took the lead with that home run, it's three to one. They certainly, that's not safe. Three to one in the sixth. I mean, you, you blow that game in your sleep. They've blown two run leads all year long. They're going to hold that in Houston. Yeah, kind of just felt like they were going to hold that in Houston. There were guys on late in the game. First and second, one out, Altuve at the plate. Donovan Loisaga induced a double play grounder to the mound. Then the rookies ran away and hid. Glaber Torres to the train tracks. Wells, Peraza, like, that was the kind of game that it's, look, it is just one game. You look pretty silly talking about one game, and it gets clipped out, and it's like, why'd you do a podcast about one game? Of course, we're not doing a podcast about one game. I'm just saying that that's the first time since the 2019 ALCS that I felt that invincible going into Houston, or at least felt that they had a chance to win at every single point in the game when they're down early. Michael King is the starter. They can't hit through the first four innings. They're putting nothing on the board. And I'm still kind of just like biding my time, knowing that the people they ran out there that day are not going to go down without a fight. And Dominguez, it's a Titanic blast. They never surrender control. They win that game and they sweep in Houston. The Astros have since gone to Texas and hit 16 home runs in a three-game series. That's a great Astros team. Shocker. But we just put them down that day on the national stage. Of course, the Yankees' triumph gets obscured somewhat because they talked to a guy who smacked a foul ball into the ground for like 35 minutes. Malcolm. Malcolm is what everybody remembers. <laughs> but Malcolm. that's a statement game, and the Yankees have gone on to, in their quest to probably not make the playoffs, yeah. come home, absorb an off day, Garrett Cole beats the Tigers. Clark Schmidt rebounds from an early hole. Pitch is great till the end of the game. They threaten to give it away. They beat the Tigers again. So it is Tigers, Astros, Tigers. But it's also eight of nine. I mean, they, they hadn't won a series against not the Royals since June 24th or yeah. whatever. And they've just won three series in a row, including a sweep on the road in Houston. If you're not energized by that and at least starting to see the bigger picture for next year, then I don't really know what to tell you. Yeah, it's, and you, we got to talk about the pitching in Houston, too. I mean, that Sunday night game, the first day I watched from the sixth inning on, that's when I flicked it on. But 
um, attacking the Astros hitters, attacking hitters that they're usually afraid to attack. Michael King, 69 pitches in five innings. Tommy Canely, 23 pitches in two innings. Jonathan Loisa got 19 pitches in that one inning, but he threw 15 strikes. Clay Holmes, nine pitches when he shut the door, six of them strikes. So like all of it was kind of coming together. And the fact that they were scoring runs probably had the pitching staff a little bit more confident in their abilities to maybe make a mistake or to trust the defense, which I feel like has not been much of a trend this year because of how uh, pitchers have been so relied upon to not, you know, make that backbreaking error to not give up that one run, you know, to break the tie in the seventh, because at that point you knew it was over. Um, But yeah, I mean the, the renewed energy is the difference here. And I understand that, um, People wanted this earlier. I don't know if this iteration was possible much earlier. Um, you weren't going to pr- promote Dominguez straight from double A, and you certainly weren't going to promote him when he was batting under 200 at that point in Somerset. Through June, yeah. like most of the season, he was actually quite bad at double mm-hmm. A. So, no, that was not happening. That's a frustrating reality of it all. Yeah, the other frustrating reality was that um, Austin Wells fractured a rib in the off season and that took his entire season off course by eight weeks, probably would have been up here at the trade deadline. If the Yankees could have had it their way, um, if they weren't playing, if they weren't dicking around with the service time manipulation deadline, I don't know if they still would have done that if they were in that situation. Um, but after, you know, seeing, uh, who was available at the trade deadline, the prices for those players, I think at that point, the Yankees would have sat back and been like, look, we're not going to give up an arm and a leg for someone who we don't think is going to elevate us as to a bona fide contender. So let's just break the service time clock on these guys and see what they can give us for the final two months of the season. Um, I don't know. I feel like that uh, this is the healthiest mix of players that this roster has seen in a long time. Uh, it's it's for so long been an aging veteran roster and there's a lot of value in that to some extent, right? You have guys who are super experienced, guys who relate to one another, um, guys who have been on the big stage before in the playoffs. Uh, but at some point, like it just wasn't mixing, whether it was a clash of personalities, whether it was too many old guys, whether it was too many hitting the aging curve too soon, whether it was the regressions kicking in too fast. Now you have literally half and half. You have half guys who have never really played in MLB before, and then you have half guys who have been here and who were, you know, once upon a time, or in Aaron Judge's case right now, the best players in the league. Stanton, former MVP. DJ LeMahieu, former batting champion, now picking his game back up, becoming one of the better hitters in the game again. Glaber Torres saw the success that none of the, maybe only Dominguez out of these young Yankees will see um, early on in his career. Um and uh, even um, uh, and even Judge Judge had the success early on, right off the bat when he came to MLB, and now and he's been able to sustain that, and he's grown with a lot of these guys that are still playing on the roster with him. So you have that dynamic with all those guys together. You have the dynamic with all these kids, hopefully feeling comfortable playing alongside their peers, um, which Volpe is kind of emerging as you know the leading voice for them. And it's a good hierarchy of, I guess you'd call it, you know, the, the chemistry hierarchy in the locker room. You have like two clear divisions of players. You have two clear groups of people that can relate to each other. And then obviously they're going to 
they're going to um, converse and have their fun together. But like, no one's on an island. Nobody's alone. No one's kind of an outcast, which like who's felt like an outcast over the years? Joey Gallo, Josh Donaldson, um, Aaron Hicks, Aaron Hicks, like all the, the list goes on and on. So now I feel like there's this really good dichotomy that's also, you know, going to play uh, play off of each other very well. And, you know, you win eight of nine in wake of these decisions. I think that I think that kind of speaks volumes because, again, this Yankees team hasn't really done that in in almost three months. And even no matter how this season wraps, the, the roster is not finished for next year, but they're giving you plenty of interesting yeah. things to think about that they weren't two weeks ago. Jason Dominguez was probably not an option for center field on opening day next year. And at the very, at the most, it was going to be like, let's see him try to win the job at a spring training. Mm-hmm. No, you're going to be able to pencil him in there next year. You need to get some veteran outfield help. You need to make this bench better. They haven't needed to use the bench yet, but it's still Jake Bowers and IKF. And it's still mm. not great. Like get somebody who can start, put him on the bench. Oswaldo Cabrera starting the other day, like, not great. Like they, they need to do better there. But Jason Dominguez is probably your center fielder. How much were we begging for just one rookie to come up and perform well from the jump after watching Willier Abreu dominate for the Red Sox in a 17-1 win? Well, Dominguez has done it. He has dominated unlike anybody else in the league. He's dominated more than pretty much any 20-year-old in recent history. Two Yankees have three homers through their first five games. It's Dominguez and Shelly Duncan, Dominguez's AAA manager. My favorite list, uh, he's also the only there, – there's a Dominguez-Mickey Mantle corollary yeah. for, for like home runs 20, you know, 20 and under. Uh, I like the three-plus homers, seven-plus hits, five-plus runs through his first five MLB games club. It's got some randos on there. They always do. Zeke Bonura, one of my favorite 30s White Sox, is on there. <laughs> Sam Horn, who legendarily was like a Red Sox flash in the pan in 87, is on there. Uh, but it's also, you know, more modern. Trevor Story, Jordan Alvarez, Jason Dominguez. Those are the last three people to do it. He expanded to four. It's Will Middlebrooks, which like, all right. He was good for a time. Wait, why not? Uh, we go back and forth on Twitter sometimes. Uh but, you know, a week or so ago, it was like, are they going to re-sign Harrison Bader? Mm. Do they owe Harrison Bader a qualifying offer? We were even doing, does Luis Severino get a qualifying offer discourse? Our answer was no, but that's the discourse that we were doing. Now we're doing how close can the Yankees get to the playoffs conversation just a week later, three series later, all because of, a lot of different ingredients that didn't gel until Dominguez and Wells came up. Wells is not, you know, on this three homers, seven ribby, five runs scored through five games list, but he's getting credit for games called. Michael King was like, this guy made an adjustment. Like people don't know how to catch my front hip sinker. I gave him a tip during the first inning. I said, this is where I want you to set up. He picked it up right away. Garrett Cole praised him. He still used Ben Rorvet, but he praised him. Like, people are giving Austin Wells a lot of credit for being a captain. I thought Wells did a great job getting Greg Weissert through his one batter in the eighth inning yeah. yesterday. He mm-hmm. knows Weissert. How many times have we seen Weissert come up, go immediately back down to Scranton? Because it's like he's just whipping that wing slider across the plate. It's going in the other batter's box. It's hanging. 
you know, he, he's, he's been walking people every time he's been up here. Wells just trusted the fastball, got swings and misses at the top of the zone. End of inning. Great job there. Um, you know, nobody has the numbers Dominguez does. Wells doesn't yet. He has that one big hit. He got a hit in his first A.B. against Verlander. Peraza's heating up lately. We'll talk about him in a bit. Everson Pereira still doesn't have the numbers, but he's got the moment. He got the game-winning hit on Sunday Night Baseball. I don't have an argument, really, against any of these people being expected to play prominent roles next year. I just think you got to insure them with major league talent. Not on long-term deals, on short-term deals. Uh, I'm sure we'll spend a lot of time this offseason talking about Bellinger and Matt Chapman and all the veterans who are going to command seven- and eight-year deals that Yankees Twitter is already penciling into their lineups for next year for whatever reason. I'm not here to do that, except with one player who we'll talk about later in this episode. I'm just here to talk about the here and now and how I had every intention of trying to divorce myself emotionally from 2024, like two weeks ago. Like I'm gonna, I would watch every game, and I would podcast about it, and I would write about it. But I would just put off mentally, I, I would say, okay, 2020, I, I've been saying for a while I thought 2024 would be the year until I watched this whole circus tent collapse. And then I was like, all right, you know what? I was wrong. Maybe it's 25, maybe it's 26, but you cannot, you can't care too much about next season. Now, unfortunately, or fortunately, I'm roped all the way back in because there's every reason to believe these guys will all go through rough patches, but they've also all shown more than we ever could have expected one weekend. Absolutely. Yeah. And even like a guy like Pereira, he's had 15 games. You're not going to see, you're not going to see any um, Dominguez and Wells or Dominguez at least is the exception. You know, that's somebody who's super talented, who elevates his play as the competition um, gets more and more difficult, but like all these other guys are going to need a little bit more seasoning. And either way, I think more importantly, as long as the locker room and the clubhouse and the dugout, are all on the same page, are all in unison, are having fun playing baseball, are, um, you know, gelling. Like Anthony Volpe mentioned a couple weeks ago, they weren't gelling, they weren't having fun. If that's the, if, if all it takes is a little vibe check to get this team winning, even if you're scoring, you know, you're only scoring five runs and you're getting the job done, doesn't really matter. You're not going to be holding a microscope to everybody's stat line. You'll be doing that when, they're collapsing and losing games that they have no business losing. You'll be doing that when they go down three zero in the first inning and have no means of fighting back. But clearly there is a little bit different of a, of a profile here with the players on this roster, you know, the mix of the veterans and the young guys, like I said. Um, and I think it's worth wondering what brought about this change. We, I don't know. I don't know how true it is what Michael K said on his show the other day, but he there there was there's belief that Hal Steinbrenner was the one who made the call to elevate at least Dominguez. I'm pretty sure Wells was probably always in the plan, right? Yeah. Wells was Wells was there. Wells was gonna they were they were low on um, their catching depth after all that had happened. They needed a lefty bat. He was progressing well through double and triple A. That was a no brainer. But um, the decision to place. Harrison Waiter on Baver, uh, Harrison Baver on Waiter. Mr. W- Mr. Harrison Baver <laughs> uh, ended up being actually uh, a proactive decision. Um, I wish they had handled it differently. I wish they had told them what their plan was. I wish he, they had told him what was going to happen. Blindsiding mm-hmm. him with that was not right. But the fact that they got him off the roster, they made room for Dominguez, and then they ridded themselves of having that qualifying offer question, as you mentioned earlier, I think was smart. But 
nonetheless, um, was this all accelerated by Hal Steinbrenner being pissed off because supposedly Cashman and the analytics people were overruled based on what Michael K said. Um, I think uh, a lot of fans, you know, um, you shouldn't like any owner really like what owner are you going to like? You don't relate to them. You never relate to a billionaire. You never relate to a guy who's looking to, um, you know, cut costs at every turn and to maximize profits at every turn. Like that's not your friend. You know, that's, that's not your boy growing up. That's just some guy you've never had interaction with before. Um, who's in the shadows and who we don't know how he came into all that money. So like generally you don't like owners, like what's to like about them? Nothing. They fell into money. They're making more money and you know, they're, they're owning a sports team and more times than not, they're making your life a living hell. But for as much shit as we give Hal Steinbrenner, I think like the bar has been set too low. Hal Steinbrenner is, uh, is owner of the Yankees has been involved in this for however long he is a well-known name. He's a gajillionaire. Like, do you think this guy likes being embarrassed? I understand that, like, yeah, he doesn't want to go the extra mile to maybe bring in another $200 million contract when he feels the Yankees should be fine with somewhere around a $300 million payroll. Is that him being cheap? Yeah, in a different sense of the word, sure. But do you think this guy likes watching this team lose? Do you think, like, he's he's a guy who claims to avoid all media, whether it's podcasts, tabloids, blogs, whatever, you think at this point this year, like it didn't reach him, didn't reach his desk with all the stuff that was going on with all, you know, he was forced to talk to the media a couple of times. Brian Cashman's been having these dumb press conferences that no one wants to hear. Like the Yankees don't want that regularly scheduled programming. So, you know, he, uh, to, to think that Hal Steinbrenner wants, doesn't care about a single thing about this team and just wants to collect his profit at the end of the year, I think is a little bit disingenuous um, could he do better? Absolutely. But at this point, I think the moves to expedite these prospects, specifically Dominguez, which is something we haven't seen in quite a while. And I even think if you date it back to Volpe in the off season, um, Steinbrenner may have had a hand in this. Uh, and the fact that it's coming from Michael K more and more makes me believe that he probably put his foot down and was like enough sick of sick of what's happening over the last year. Didn't like that playoff exit, even though we were one series away from the World Series. Like, let's start getting this shit ready. Let's prepare for 2024 because I don't – Brian Cashman's been here for 25 years. We know exactly what he does. He's never really made a move like this before. No, he has not. And, uh, I mean, most don't, to be fair. I think it was – it would have already felt like pushing the boundaries a little bit to be like, hey, let's roll out of spring training with Dominguez again. Like, like yeah. we did with Volpe. Volpe was bad in April. May. It was okay in April, bad in May and June. Uh, so to try it again next year when it was such a failure and set such a negative tone for this season, I didn't really – I saw that coming, but I didn't think it was a great idea and it would have been out of character for the old Yankees and I guess in character for these new Yankees that don't seem to learn from these mistakes. But, hey, hand up. I, I thought – uh, I didn't think there would be lasting damage done to Dominguez by playing him in September, but I didn't think it would look this good. And I, my, most of my argument for why do it is like, I just saw him shake off his struggles at double a and, and change and morph and grow and really mature at triple a. So I know he can do that again, no matter how bad it gets this September and it could still get bad, but it started pretty great. 
it did not start in a way where he's going to have to like piece it together from square one. He is currently the talk of the town. So uh, that's, I guess, uh, valuable. That seems valuable moving forward to be like, I am a megastar in New York City. Hopefully it doesn't get to his head, but it doesn't seem like it will. His head already seems pretty expanded. The I am Martian, <laughs> I'm out of this world story. Like he knows how good he is. And yeah. some of the great ones do. Like not everybody is Aaron Judge. Maybe Dominguez will do the Michael Jordan six rings pose this offseason. Maybe he won't wait seven years to do that on a Nike photo shoot. But some people just know they're great. Ricky Henderson went a whole career being like, I am good at baseball. And it never like came back to bite him. He just went to the Hall of Fame. So hopefully Dominguez is the same deal and leads by example. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. I'd love to play a game of like, hey, do you believe in this? I love games. And I think we'll close it by just doing with the, you know, the big hammer. But like piece by piece, just obviously Dominguez is is stealing the headlines for good reason. But I mean, do you believe in what DJ LeMahieu is showing you in the second half? Sean Casey did an interview today saying he's not thinking about next year, et cetera, et cetera. But whether he's the Yankees hitting coach or not, something tells me he's still going to be on speed dial for DJ LeMahieu. 
who entering play tonight has an 879 OPS in the second half, hitting 282, 40 games, had seven homers in like a 13-game span, something he'd, he'd never done. That was the first time in his career he did that. We don't need DJ going back to 2019, 26 homers, 102 ribs. We don't need that. We just need competence. I still think they should entertain trading Giancarlo Stanton. I still obviously entertain. Go beyond entertain. Try pretty hard to do it. I still think they should maybe consider seeing what they have in Anthony Rizzo. Maybe he starts the year on the 60-day IL again next year. It's a sad story. We'll talk about him in a bit. But if LeMayu is going to be doing this, he was their most important. He wasn't their best player in 2019 and 2020, but he was their most important player. And if he's going to be an engine again like this, I want him on the roster. Yeah, I certainly believe in this, um, especially because you're witnessing the stark differences from, well, it's been a long time, actually. It's been 2021. I mean, he was okay last year, but there was still, you know, the most of his stats were propped up by that really, really good first half where he was a lit, literally top 10 hitter in baseball. He's been okay for quite a while now. Yeah, but this is like the – like we have this stat line, right? It's 282 batting average, 879 OPS. I think that is the most appropriate decline from what we saw in 2019 and 2020. 2019, 327, 893. 2020, 1.011. That was the shortened season. But then you had too big of a drop-off in 2021, 268, 711. Last year, 261, 734. This year, I don't know if we're going to – he's not going to He's not gonna get to – He's. I don't think he's going to – he actually has a chance to match last year's numbers, but overall it's not going to come close to where we need it to be. But, yeah, if he can be a 270 guy with – an 830 OPS, I think that's a gigantic win for us, and I don't think that that's out of the question. He clearly has enough left in the tank. He clearly was able to work through whatever mechanical um, issues that plagued him from those two injuries. Like, look, it's hard to come back from sports hernia surgery. That's your core. That's uh, that's 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 where your turning comes from. The the toe injury talked about it ad nauseum. That's where all the power comes from. So. It made sense why his timing was off. It made sense why he wasn't hitting uh, home. He wasn't ripping balls into the gap or hitting homers. It was making sense why he was rolling over stuff. Now he gets a different voice in his ear, and Sean Casey, who seems to be a little bit more proactive than than previous guys that have been in the dugout, which is needed for a guy like DJ, who is essentially a mute. And I think we're at a point where uh, he can sustain this and at least become serviceable, above average, instead of underwhelming and um, no longer. Uh, able to hit at the top of the lineup. I buy it too. And I always said when we extended him long-term that if he became a veteran bench presence by the middle to end of this Great. deal, that wouldn't be the worst thing in no. the world. You would be paying slightly above market for a valuable contributor who could play multiple positions. I still feel that way when he was hitting with an under 700 OPS. I did not feel that way. Uh, and so, yeah, things change. This is enough of a sample size for me to show it's still in there. If he stays healthy, he's not going to be a megastar. He is probably not going to be in the MVP conversation again, but I'll take him on my roster and it's clearly in there. Um, Rodon has been trash in the comments from Fernando. Ooh. I think we're going to have to step back on, on Rodon has been trash a little bit. The last couple starts have been solid. He's been competent. He's been uh, he's navigating a back injury that changed his delivery on the fly this year. I don't think you can expect to see the old Rodon until next year. But yeah. his last three starts, he definitely has not been the worst pitcher in baseball. 
but Fernando, if you do, uh, if you're dealing with Michael K's dirt stash and it's making your TV screen dirty, try a little bit of Windex. Uh, just like the Yankees have been trying a little Windex. Uh, Fernando, five ERA, I, I know, but it was it was in the sevens, man. It was it was in the high sixes. Now yeah. it's five plus. He hasn't been good, but. Come on. I mean, he had what? He had six six innings, one earned against the Nationals. That's a good start. Yeah. Cole just went Cole just went six one against the Tigers. Um, Rays. He he gave up what those two runs in the second or the third, but you know he labored through that. Struck out seven. I view that as a success. That was like the first start where you saw the slider like really hitting. Yeah. Um, and then five and two earned against the Astros on the road. I don't know. I don't know no. what else. Uh, you know, look, it should be better than that. You are right, but like you're not going to get that this year. He's he's, be- he's been battling through too much. He needs to get back on track and I think if he starts off 2024 and you're not seeing the results, I think it's totally fair to trash him. Yeah, I mean, hopefully it's going to get be- if it doesn't get better than this, then it's a really bad contract. But this year, I think three good starts in a row makes me go, "Okay, great. Sure. It's been an outright disaster and now I've seen three good outings in a he row." He starts tonight, right? Yeah, he does start tonight. Uh, so big opportunity again. Uh, so we shall see. Who knows? I never thought we were seeing the real road on this year. We still won't, but pretty decent lately. Uh, what about Oswald Peraza? You believe <laughs> in him? Uh, somebody who I, I sort of mentally like checked out on a little bit, just being like, are we got all these other kids now? I don't really need this like 140 hitting infielder who the team clearly doesn't believe in, who who won't get called up. Uh, who never gets called up, who's like veering into Esteban Floreal territory, into wasted asset territory. Yes, Wells, Wells does look like Redon's son. I, I do agree with that. Uh, but he, he's looking a little wasted asset-like, a little Floreal yeah. type. Uh, well, 7 for 15 in his last four. The defense has been on point. Uh, the ultimate moment that maybe check out on him was when they called him up for that Anaheim series. He immediately got picked off, and it was just like, yeah. well, welcome to the club. Welcome to the club, dipshit. Um, but now, uh, I'm starting to believe I, I'm believing in everybody a little bit more. And I'm definitely believing in him being a potential reliable contributor, uh, not going to be penciled into a starter's role next year, especially cause I don't think you could trade Glaber Torres at this point. You just kind of got to let it ride. See what happens next year. Yeah. I think that's fine. Uh, but where are you on Peraza who like, I'm not full believe uh, I'm not penciling him into a gig. I'm not trading Torres to get him out of his way, but Yeah. Let's keep it going through the end of the year. I'm starting to see him turn the corner. Yeah, I don't. I, I look. I don't. Uh, the I only believe in Dominguez at this point because that's that that was the loudest introduction you could have to an MLB career. And again, he's 20 years old with limited experience at AAA. Um, the jury's still out on all these guys. Um, Peraza, I at the very least would just be really happy for him if he was able to finish the season strong. Um, he kind of got the short end of the stick after getting the call last year and then not getting the job out of spring training dealt with some injuries, uh, inconsistent playing time, change of position, which I don't agree with, but the Yankees are going to do whatever they're going to do. So, um, don't fully believe, but certainly encouraged. Um, and, uh, the, the reason I fully don't like believe in him yet is just because, um, I think, Pereira, Dominguez, and Wells. Like, it's really weird. Like, they're all men. They're all like gigantic, large men. They're all Carlos Rodon's sons. Yeah, they're all Carlos Rodon's sons. They are just imposing. Like, Pereira, I saw him in like the, I don't know what, I don't, maybe it's the ESPN production. He was just in the batter's box on Sunday, I think. And I was like, this guy is massive. 
And Dominguez is like Dominguez isn't tall, right? He's like five ten or something, and he's just built like a truck. Austin Wells looks like he's forty five years old, but like in the best way possible. <laughs> he just looks like the uncle that could beat the shit out of anybody. So like, I'm encouraged by the 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 sheer size and just the the imposing nature that these three guys have. I think Peraza has a little bit of a ways to go. He doesn't, he doesn't quite have that for me, but if he's going to put bat on ball, he's going to fit right in. Those two, three hit games are certainly encouraging. Um, they're just there. There needs to be more of that over the last three, four weeks here for me to, for me to pencil them in for next year. Yeah. I'm not doing it even a little bit of penciling, uh, but just, it just made me go like, all right, neat, neato gang. Like good. Okay. What about the big one? Do you believe in the 2023 New York Yankees playoff chances? It's September 7th. Yeah, just over 20 games left. Crazier things have happened. The Mets blew a seven-game lead in 17 games. Yankees have more games than that, fewer games to make up. Unfortunately, they do have to make up games on both the Blue Jays and Red Sox and Rangers. That's both Referring to three, it's not usually how both is used, but all three of those teams are ahead of the New York Yankees right now, and only one of them is in a playoff spot. Right now, it's the Jays. The Rangers are choking dogs right now. Yankees have four at Fenway. Those never go well. The Yankees do have six with the Jays. You can tread water in the Red Sox games, get a lot of specific breakdowns, two out of threes, you know, one t- no sweeps in front of you, but everybody's splitting games. You have a slight chance. Where are you on believing in a Yankees playoff run down the stretch? I am on board with uh, believing for fun, not believing for your actual hopes and dreams. Yeah. Um, it's not happening. I-, I mean, that's where I would put my money right now. It's of course it's not impossible, but it's probably not happening. If you were to have to bet on it after watching this team all year, you wouldn't you wouldn't be sinking your money into the 2023 New York Yankees. However, things have changed. We are a little bit more optimistic about not only the future but the immediate short term because of the uh, the direct 180 they were able to do over this past week week and a half. Um, and you look at the schedule: 23 games left. The competition is not that crazy. You got to get through Milwaukee, but they're coming to you. They're yeah. fighting for their division lives, so the pressure's on them. That always benefit you. Just you know, you're going to see how this is going to the Yankees. the The other reason why this is certainly possible is because there is zero pressure on the Yankees. They are going through the motions and in more uh, in pro- in the greatest probability here. They are just going to play their game and they are going to watch how everything unfolds and that will be their destiny. So I think that that play that that's always advantageous. Think about any, any NFL playoff team that's made a run who, you know, snuck into the wild card, any baseball, you know, it, even in like the nationals and what pressure do the nationals have the year they won the world series. They were one of the worst teams in baseball for the first two months. They, they got into the postseason. They were on the ropes against the brewers, one error, and then they're back in it. And now, and, and now they're on a run to the, to the fall classic. So, I think if, uh, to me, the determining factor here is just going to be, it's it's going to be at Fenway. It's going to be at Fenway. You all know that because you got home against the Brewers. Then after the Fenway series, you're at Pittsburgh. They suck. Home against the Jays. 
I'm not scared of the Jays. Home against the Diamondbacks, pressure's on them. Another situation where they got to win. They got to keep wild card pace. Then you're at the Jays. Sure, road series, but uh, Vlad's house is certainly not protected as once as it used to be. And then you finish the series at Kansas, uh, finish the season at Kansas City. Um, I don't know. I'm believing in it for fun because I want to have fun for the remainder of the year, but I'm not going to stake my feelings on it. Um, so I guess you can call me fair weather, but I'm just going to loosely believe it as a possibility and not just be someone who's yelling in your ear every day, making sure that, you know, the New York Yankees are going to make the playoff six and a half games back right now. Yeah. Fernando, I actually fundamentally disagree with you here. We don't sound like Cashman and Boone tempering expectations. Cashman and Boone would say it's right out in front of us. We don't need to change anything. The playoffs are right there. This team is good. We are done. We don't even need to be better. We're as good as we're ever going to be. That's all they've been telling you. They haven't been telling you we need to be careful. We need to tread lightly. We need to believe in ourselves. That's We're telling you that. They have a chance. Oh, they have a, oh okay. Well, there you go. Um, Come on, well, Andrew. Again, I also don't want to put pressure on all all the kids. No, my number one problem is I just don't I don't have it in me to care about this. I I just want to take a couple from this Boston series. I don't have it in me to believe that this Fenway four game series is make or break for this season. Because I tell you what, I'm not I'm not that healthy a man. My doctor says I'm checking out just fine, but I got stomach issues. No, I don't. But, like, you know, I got anxiety. I got nerves. I, I, I don't have a four-game series at Fenway Park with playoff implications in me next week. I just don't. No. So I want to be satisfied taking two out of four there and doing a representative fine job at Fenway Park. I don't want to be like, should have swept. Or like, damn, I really needed three out of four. Like, it's not easy. The Red Sox are basically right where the Yankees are. Right? So if you think the Yankees are still in it, then the Red Sox are still in it. So then nobody's out of it. And it's not just two rivals throwing pebbles at each other. Then it matters for everybody. So I just, I don't have it in my body to like be entering that Monday game at Fenway park with a fork and knife being like, God damn it. Let's go boys. Like, I don't have that. I'm sorry. It's series by series. I want to see how they do against a, against another division leader in the Brewers. And uh, then I want to see how they can do on the road against our most hated rival. It's a good introduction for these guys. You can't be banking on them carrying this team to victory. Those are two hard series. It's seven games too. So you take it one series at a time. You hold out hope. You don't stake too much of your life into it. And I think that's the way to go about it. They could do it. They've just, yeah. they've just, I think they never- could do it. They haven't swept the Red Sox in forever. Like, it yeah. would be, you know, it'd be great if Jason Dominguez owned the Red Sox the way that Rafael Devers owns the Yankees. And I'm not, you know. Are they are they trying to line up Cole for this Sox opener? Are you looking at this? No, do they, just, do they just mess around with the rotation? Well, because, no. So, I don't know if they mess around with it. So, you had Schmidt last night. Then you have Rodon, Severino, King for the next three. The finale of the Brewer series is TBD. TBD. It's supposed to be Cole. Yeah. And then you have the opener the next day at Boston. Do you think they're going to, if they win, the, what if they win the first two Milwaukee games and they maybe decide to bullpen it or call or like go with Brito or something or Vasquez? Brito and Vasquez. Yeah, 100%. I, I definitely. And also, how about Johnny Brito on the road in Houston? While we're getting further yeah. away from this Houston series, like three and Rob. two thirds, pretty effortless innings of relief in the middle there. Uh, Domingo Herman will not start. <laughs> Domingo Herman is not in this country right now. I don't think. Um, but yeah, I know that's a great, that's a great thought. I, I bet they probably do do that depending on what happens. Uh, Brito was amazing. 
Vasquez in short relief was pretty amazing too. Um, I like him. You know, it, that was a weird one. Like the first game of that Houston series when they weren't even sure what they were, you know, trying to do with the Houston series when they were just auditioning people for roles. Yeah. Like, yeah, Randy Vasquez, you've been a starter all year, but how about you come in and face the heart of the Astros order in a close enough game? Oh, wait, he was great. Like, Aaron Boone did that again yesterday. He wouldn't have made Clark Schmidt go into the seventh if he was really trying to get that game. He yeah. probably wouldn't have had Greg Weiser come in with the bases loaded, but you know what? They win anyway. They win the baseball game. So that's why we're having this fun little conversation. Um, Rafael Devers and high leverage opportunities this year, just so that we're saying it on the podcast because we have to, like in high leverage opportunities, late and close at bats, 215 with two home runs. Good. And that has to be mostly against the Yankees. So he's got to be hitting 034 against everybody else. So I don't know. I don't know if that should encourage you or discourage you for this upcoming series. He never hits in the clutch, but he always hits us. So, cool. hey, how about just beating the Red Sox a couple times? Just like just a couple times. Instead of letting them go eight and one against you this year, how about you win a couple of these games at Fenway and make them go, God damn it. Alex Cora, it would be nice to make him be like, damn, damn. Um, running out of time. I got a three o'clock, but it is worth <laughs> it is worth mentioning Anthony Rizzo's injury too. While we're talking about playoffs, yeah, playoff. right? Like this will get me mad. It's probably get you mad. It's probably take up our remaining time on the show. But sure. uh, we can talk about Soto trade whenever we want. Of course, yeah. And that's that's obviously the, the missing pieces. I think Juan Soto is probably the perfect Yankees. Uh, the final piece of this puzzle so we'll talk about him plenty this offseason if he's even dangled go get him some of these guys outside of dominguez outside of wells could be a part of that conversation we'll talk about that this offseason that's a fun way that you can do business instead of signing cody bellinger and matt chapman but anthony rizzo who did not again, like was mentioned in the comments earlier, didn't go for that second opinion reportedly until David Ross told him, Hey, like you might want to go for a second opinion played with the New York Yankees from the end of May through the beginning of August as one of the worst regular players in baseball. Anybody else in his spot would have been an improvement. Yes. Even Jake Bowers. He was eventually, he confessed to missing fastballs. He'd usually hit by a second or two, that's so much slowed reaction time. We can do the game by game, games we'd like to reverse, games we could reverse, games the Yankees might be in a better position if they'd won. But if they just used not a concussed veteran at first base for two months, they're probably doing a little better today. And not only did they use him, but he hit in the middle of the order. Yeah, I I feel very strongly about this because if you replace Rizzo was statistically a bottom three hitter in the entire league. If you replace that with somebody who's top 70, you're or you're already trading a couple of wins in there. Um, not only that, but I think this is probably the bigger aspect of it. Say you didn't get good production out of Rizzo, right? or uh, out of Rizzo's replacement. Say Jake Bauer sucked just as bad. At the very least, in theory, you take care of Anthony Rizzo's health. He gets the right treatment that he needs. He's back a month ago, and he's fine. And he can see well, and he can hit the baby. It takes him a couple weeks to get back on track. But then you have that left-handed bat in the order that you desperately need. 
You have another veteran leader on the team that you desperately need, especially with all these kids coming up. And you have somebody who's going to be producing within a lineup of all these guys who are now finally, you know, DJ Lemayhew's back. So he's hitting the ball well. Even Stanton, I think, is doing better and better by the day. Judge is Judge. Glaber's having a great year. You introduced Dominguez and Wells, both of whom are, I think, at least at the very least, uh, seeing the ball incredibly well. I know well a lot hasn't gone entirely great for Wells in the early going, but I think he's putting good bat on ball in various instances. Um, Anthony Rizzo in this lineup is mashing, and that's that's uh, that's a couple more wins in August. That's maybe three more games in the wild card standings, and then we're talking about a three game deficit right now at the very least instead of a six and a half one. And then you win three out of four in Fenway, and then you're cooking with gas. So, yeah, all these decisions come back to hurt the Yankees in some way, shape, or form. Don't know whose fault this is. I feel like if Rizzo had to leave that game and he was as dazed as he was when he tried to get back up after he was hit to the ground, there needs to be greater precautions taken. Um and I don't know what tests he went through. I don't know what the protocol was, but really feels like they weren't super comprehensive with it. Um, I do commend Rizzo for trying to play through it, but at the same time, like when it reaches a point, again, this was two full months, yes. two full months of being unable to hit a baseball. The Yankees didn't catch on. And even if he wasn't being honest, like the, the, the dug people in the dugout need to catch on. It's like, dude, you're batting like 100. This has never happened before for you. So let's trace it back to the number one indicating factor that probably affected it. So yeah, the very it, it goes one of two ways: either have somebody in Rizzo in in Rizzo's absence who's actually doing something every two to three four days, um, or they have Rizzo back for the stretch run, fully healthy, and he's another imposing bat in this lineup, and they're able to capitalize a little bit more, um, maybe in the second half of August. Well, there you go. I mean, it's only fair to end this obviously wholly positive episode on a discussion of the ways that we could have been in a much better position. They're myriad. You all know them. You all know this organization is still beefed. Like, that's not changing. That didn't change just because Jason Dominguez came up and mashed. But ending the season on a positive note, greater than ending the season on a horrifically negative apocalyptic note, which is what we were poised to do just a couple weeks ago. So it feels good. Remember when teams didn't want Jason Dominguez in trades? You remember when it was like, oh, he won't be enough for Brian Reynolds. Oh, the Reds don't want him for Luis Castillo. They won't even think about that. Volpe or bust. Give me a break. Um, Interesting. Yeah. I mean, we were throwing him into, I was throwing him into packages. I was like, great. If you're, you know, if, if you're going to, If you have ways to beef up the outfield and you have greater needs elsewhere and like you can trade from this cert, like get somebody really good for him. If they weren't interested in him, then whatever. What are you going to do? Yep. Well, Angelo, I, I I would, uh, I I like Stan being moved down to fifth. I just don't know how permanent that is. Like, yeah, he was moved down to fifth for the first two Tigers games. I like the lineup they've run out for the first two Tigers games, but I don't know. I mean, he was still bad in cleanup in his final appearance in the Houston series you know, on Saturday and on Friday. Um, and he hit a bomb in this series is 400. So uh, we'll, we'll find out how permanent that is and we'll talk about it. But obviously I'm in favor of the lineup that just worked the last couple of games, but I was yeah. in favor of the one that worked over the weekend in Houston too. Uh, I don't, I, don't have a, I haven't had a problem with 
haven't had a problem with the Yankees for about a week and a half now. So hopefully that continues. We'll be back on Monday to talk about the rest of this Tiger series just today, the weekend Brewers set, and yes, the Red Sox series that I have no intention of really devoting a lot of time and effort to, but I'm going to have to anyway. Unfortunately, that's how it works. Football season begins tonight, and the New York Yankees are not officially eliminated from the postseason picture. That feels good in a season where it definitely felt like the opposite could have happened. We'll be back on Monday again talking through all this, 2 o'clock Eastern, every Monday, every Thursday, your favorite podcast platform, your least favorite podcast platform. You cannot rip us off any podcast platform. They're not trying to deplatform us, but if they were, they wouldn't be able to. I'm Adam Weiner. You can find me on Twitter at Adam Weiner. Thomas Carinante, where can the people find you? Hey, everybody. I'm at Tommy's underscore takes. You can find the both of us at the official Yanks Go Yard Twitter account at Yanks Go Yard FS. Thanks for tuning in. We appreciate you listening. We love you guys interacting on social media. Um, head on over to YanksGoYard.com. We got a lot of content there for you per usual. Um, we want you bringing those topics of conversation in here for the live chat twice a week. It's helping us discuss. It's helping us move the conversation forward, and we're having fun most of all. So let's go, Yanks. Big weekend ahead. Hope you guys enjoyed your, I guess, last official weekend of summer. It was last week. It was this past week. And I'm still going to enjoy September, though, um, because it's hot. It's nice. Labor Day does not mark the end for me. The end for me comes when the winter arrives. So have that mentality, and if the Yankees have that mentality, who knows? Maybe they make the playoffs. I don't know. We'll see. No winter just yet. It's still 95 degrees in September. The air is thick, and the New York Yankees are still technically playing meaningful baseball. So how about we just keep winning baseball games? How about that? See you on Monday. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.